This podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Nexus Recruitment Group, official Bristol City Football Club short sponsors. There is a company or brand within the group that can assist all recruitment needs across any industry to suit any budget. Head over to nexus-resources.k.uk or 3people.k.uk for more information. Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast, the bonus show. We said we would be back with some England action and it was the first game for England today. So uh, we've got a couple of guests. Obviously, we've got Matt with me as always. Matt, how are you, sir? Very well, thanks, Patch. You? Yeah, yeah. All the better for three points on the board, which is something we haven't said on the bonus show for quite some time. (laughs) Um, But uh, we've also got Adam Thurston, who's going to chew over the game with us. Adam, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you. Good, good. And we've also got someone who was actually at the game, one of the 20-odd thousand people that was at the game, and he's been on the bonus show before, uh, big Bristol City fan and England fan, Nigel Whistle. How are you, sir? Yes, I'm very well, Patch. Evening, guys. Thanks for pulling over to Lee Delamere Services to join us on the podcast for a bit of a, um, a you know a, a first person view of the game. Um, I hope hopefully you had a much better view than us on the TV. Half the pitch was covered in shade most of the time, and it was um, you know pinching your eyes a little bit to actually see most of it. But um, got there in the end. Um, so let's come to you first, Nigel. Um, Obviously, got got a ticket for originally for the twenty twenty, I imagine, and uh, went back into the ballot and managed to get this game. Of, and of, unfortunately, not not the remaining two group games. But uh, at least you've got one under your belt. Yeah, absolutely, Pat. So um, yeah, I, I was fortunate enough originally to have uh, tickets for the group games. I was going to take my fourteen year old lad, JC, uh, but in the ballot, I, I pulled one out. So it was a bit bittersweet this morning, leaving him behind because obviously there was an element of guilt. Uh, but I know a lot of people that had tickets right through to the final that have actually lost all of them. So I think it was a question of just having to accept that one was better than nothing. So, uh, yeah, I've had a fantastic day out. It was great just to, to be there for at least one of them. So, yeah. yeah, good stuff. And a few souvenirs as well. Talk us through what you've... Yeah, what wearing you've the merch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I am, I'm, I'm merched up, guys. So uh, I never <laughs> buy programmes, but obviously you have to buy a programme when you go to a day like that. So Ten pounds? That, that was the first £10 spent. <laughs> Uh, followed by the uh, the beat the hat for uh, you know Euro twenty twenty, so that's a twenty Bucket quid perch. Very nice. And then we got a couple of t shirts as well. So I thought I'd better take the boy back something. So uh, we'll Excellent. be wearing our uh, Euro t shirts for the next couple of games. So brilliant, yeah. absolutely brilliant. <clears throat> well, before we come on to today's game, just obviously shocked by last night's events, and just want to send our best um, to Christian Eriksen. I think everyone shares that and it was just something I did not expect to see turning on the TV watching football to see that and quite frankly can't believe what was shown but um that's yeah. another thing and and you know the latest news is that he is on the on the men slash you know um looking into trying to find out some answers as to why it happened but sometimes yeah, there, there are no answers Matt uh, no there's not um and echo everything you just said I was just reading just before we started the um the Danish physio um or medical doctor had said that they lost him um, and yeah. it was a cardiac arrest and it needed one defib to bring him back. And you sort of think, you know, the 29-year-old footballer, fit as you like, um, star player. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I kind of stopped watching the game to rewind it, to think, well, where did he get the head injury from? It was mm. just one of those things you thought, crikey, what happened? So just shows, doesn't it? But um, 
yeah, horrible to watch, but then, you know, no one wanted to see the scenes that followed, but you also have to say the way that Anthony Taylor refereed, the medics, his teammates and the way that they, they stood around, yeah, it, it made a horrible situation, but made you sort of really proud as a football fan seeing players acting like that, didn't they? And the crowd as well. Yeah, yeah. Very emotional scenes and obviously you mm. close your eyes, you can't help but think of it. Um, but yeah. let's move on to to today's game. So uh, my my sort of short synopsis before we come come to Nigel, because obviously he's at, at the service stations and uh, might have to get off in a minute. So I just thought we were, we were you know the first twenty minutes was was fantastic. <laughs> it was great to see fast paced football. Um, obviously, the the we'll come on to the minutes in a minute, but um, yeah, really really impressed with the start we made, and then it was almost like cruise control. Um, from from there on um, and there were a number of gears they could have gone up through had the need arised but um, yeah Croatia obviously aren't aren't the same team as, as they were three three years ago um, but still there was a few chances that they had and I think with some better finishing they may may have you know notched and then forced us to go up that extra gear but uh, you can only play what's in front of you three points on the board and a great start. I think as the, they said on the on the commentary, it's the first time we've we've won an opening game in uh, either ever or in quite some time. No, in any uh, of the Euros, yeah, yeah any of the Euros. There you go. So uh, three points is 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 the end is the end result. So uh, fantastic start. But Nigel, I want to come to you. Uh, obviously, great to be there. I just you just sent me a video of the national anthem being sung as well. So that was great to see and hear. Uh, talk us through the experience and your thoughts on the game in in general. Yeah, from from an experience, I was really keen just to kind of soak up the atmosphere, get the nice and early, understand kind of the whole the whole atmosphere outside the ground. Um, and obviously, it was a little bit restricted, as you can imagine, because of because of COVID and the, the crowd being a lot less. But do you know what? It didn't feel like it was only twenty two thousand um, walking up Wembley Way. I still got some fantastic pictures. It still felt busy. Um, I took a video of one group of lads that were singing, you know, the old um, Atomic Kitten song about Gareth Southgate, and that was great. Uh, the police, the stewards, everybody just seemed to be in a really fantastic mood. It, it kind of felt different to a normal England game because <clears throat> it actually wasn't an England home game. It felt like you were experiencing a UEFA game, mm. uh, even to the point where before the game, you know, the, the England song was obviously Three Lions, which everybody, uh, you know, joined in uh, the Frank Skinner song. But then actually they played a Croatian song for them as well because we weren't the home team. So there was that kind of brilliant blend of, you know, it felt like we were in a European competition. So the, the experience was was fantastic. And obviously, uh, yeah, you know, the game, we can go into detail. But yeah, yeah just brilliant to, experience. Just touch on what you said there, Nigel, because at, at times I actually forgot it was Wembley. I thought, I, I just imagined it as a venue abroad, a, you know, neutral ground. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a good point you've made there. Um, but the, yeah, your just yeah. synopsis of the game game in general. I thought England controlled it. <clears throat> um, you, you said the first 20 minutes, we we came out and we were fantastic. Um, really, we had three great chances. We could have been three goals up. Foden's, uh, Foden's got on the end of a fantastic Sterling pass for his. He's cut inside. He's hit the post. Uh, there's then another cross that's come in that's been headed back. And I think it was Phillips that has had a shot, which the goalkeeper saved. So um, an electric start. Then you start thinking, actually, have we missed the opportunity here? Because when you're on top, you need to score. Um but at no point during the first half did I actually feel that Croatia were, were going to score. They had a bit of possession and then we finished quite strongly as well. But you know what it's like we're, when we watch games, you kind of think we're losing control. 
And actually, at no point during the game was I nervous. Even at the end, you kind of think, mm, we've got to be a bit careful here. But I actually think England controlled it. Apart from the last 10 minutes, when I think we were a bit cheap with possession, yeah. um, I think England controlled the game. Uh, it was a fantastic start. Brilliant, Brilliant start. Lovely. Awesome. Right, we're going to go through the starting lineup. Um, I'll come to you, Matt, for your thoughts on this. And then uh, and then Adam. So Jordan Pickford, Kyle Walker, John Stones, Tyron Mings, Kieran Trippier. Phil Foden, uh, Calvin Phillips, Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Raheem Sterling, and Harry Kane. Matt, for you, any any major shocks there? Um, probably not major shocks. Um, I was disappointed Grealish wasn't in the starting lineup because I think he's been a, a standout player in the friendlies. Um, I guess a lot of the talk was of Trippier being preferred as a left back when obviously he's a right back. Um, something that, that I kind of called out on on Twitter myself. But when you hear Gareth Southgate's explanation for it and the fact that he wanted sort of a, a leader at the back there, he wanted someone who was going to talk, you could absolutely understand it. And I think he, he was was brilliant, Trippier. Mm. I think the other probably talking point was, was Raheem Sterling um, because his form hasn't been good of late. Um, and, you know, I think people were thinking that Grealish might have come in there, Sancho. Um, and again, he, he shut a lot of people up. Um, so you, you have to say that Southgate got it absolutely spot on. Um, mm. I suppose there was one other one that Calvin, Calvin Phillips and whether Henderson played, but I think Henderson's lack of match sort of practice with, with Liverpool probably warranted why he didn't. And again, he got it absolutely spot on. Yeah, so, we'll come on to uh, Calvin yeah. Phillips shortly in a, in a new society yeah. that's going to be set But um, Adam, coming to you, obviously England off the back of a number of, of wins um, and the forum going into the game. Any shock, Any shocks for you in the team? Are you happy with the team selection formation? I think it was the same for everyone, wasn't it? I think we were all surprised. Um, it, was, it was kind of the, the main question marks were coming from the defence. Um, I think everyone was worried about Tyrone Mings. Um, being a Yate boy, I've got a lot of confidence in him. Um, and yeah, he he was awesome. To be honest, I think every player. What well, I think, as kind of you alluded to at the start, you can only play what's in front of you. And we were pretty much faultless. I thought um, we weren't special, but as, as kind of as again we've alluded to, Croatia weren't up to much. They're not the team that they were three years ago. Um, I think going back to Calvin Phillips, I thought he was just unplayable really um, and he's, he's almost put himself as a a contender to, as a starter for the future games to I think he will be starting the remainder of the games like he, he was just yeah. very very good very strong um, and I think he, I think I think they said that he was the first Leeds player to play for England at a, a tournament since the 60s or something which is which is something pretty cool um, but yeah as I say you can only play what's in front of you but we were pretty much faultless today so yeah. really really pleased Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay. Um, so let's go through the minutes in traditional Bristol City bonus show style. Um, so on the fifth minute, Foden hits the post. It was a patient build up, bent left footed, just didn't have enough whip, but uh, he was played in by Sterling really well. And, you know, all the talk's been about Foden going into the game with his special haircut and tribute to Gaza and all of that. Um, obviously, he's, yeah, he's got a long way to go to be compared to Gaza, but. It was a great start, Matt, nonetheless. And just, uh, you know, that setting that tempo out, setting that, um, you know, setting the stall out for how we were going to attack the game. And I thought it was a great chance. Yeah, really good chance. Uh, well, <clears throat> I say great chance. Um, he made it, didn't he? It was a really good ball by Sterling. I don't know who played the ball. in. I think it was from a throw-in. Yep. And Sterling just used his body to open up the space. 
did really well. I actually thought when I watched it in sort of real time that he, he kind of overhit it, but he didn't. Foden just decided to take it the way he did. Came back inside. And then when you watch the replay, I mean, he, he just hit an absolutely sweet shot. The keeper dived really after it and hit the post. Um, and what, what were we talking? An inch, two inches from it, given the, the opener. And probably a deserved opener it would have been for the start that we had. But he's a quality player. His, his, his feet, he's so quick. And mm. when you hear Pep Guardiola talking about he's the best at that age he's ever worked with, you think, yeah, this this kid's got a bright future. And I, and I hope it's difficult because of the weather today and how much that will have taken out of him. But I hope he's, again, another one, first name on the sheet, yeah. let him go and play, do what he's got to do. And is that, yeah. the, is that the same position that he plays in for Man City, that sort of right he's, of the three? Yeah, well, he's been playing um, left and right for, for City. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought, it's, it's, again, it's one of the... I don't even know if he's left or right-footed, if I'm honest with you. He's that good with both. I think he's left, mm. to be fair. But um, I just think he is a, a quality, quality footballer. Yeah. And, and Nige, where were you in terms of um, that attack? Was it, was it the goal? You were behind the goal that, <clears throat> that shot came in on? Did you think it was in? No, he was the other end. So it, as he's cut in... I was top right, I guess. So right. I got the angle where literally he shot. And, and for me, that's curling in. It was going yeah. in all the way. You could see it coming around. And actually on the tube coming out of Wembley, <clears throat> I just watched the highlights. And I, I guess my biggest shock is how did it not come back off the goalkeeper and go in? Because yeah, you see it that. so many times. Yeah. And the goalkeeper's dived and it's kind of missed the goalkeeper by inches. Yeah. And I think nine times out of 10, that would have bounced back off him and gone over the line. So really unlucky. The keeper was yeah, lucky great that he dived late. The he keeper was. was lucky that he died yeah. late because that's yeah. the only reason why it didn't hit him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, great yeah. start. Um, eighth minute, Calvin Phillips shot on target from distance. It was a corner routine that then bounced out to Calvin Phillips. And what a strike. I mean, it was, a, again, a great save, Adam, that one. Yeah, it was one of those shots you can't do anything more than hit the target with. Um, when it's coming at that distance and you're kind of that far out of goal, you just got to really hit and hope. But he, he kind of gave himself every chance that it could have gone in. Um, and especially through that mat of players that you'd hope that someone would get a little flick on it or deflection or something. Um, but yeah, reasonably lucky save as well that it didn't then fall to Harry Kane's feet. But yeah, really, really good strike. Yeah, absolutely. And it's quite refreshing, Matt, isn't it? To see us having a go from distance and getting it on target. There were a number of sort of little moments, weren't they, where they, they spread the ball across the, the middle and you had players coming onto it. Um, and as Adam said, I mean, he, he did everything right. The technique, he struck it really well. It went through some bodies. I, I thought the keeper made a bit of a meal out of it, to be fair, and got a, away with one a little bit. Um, but yeah, it was good to see a midfield joining in like that and being on the edge. And, and you've also got to call out Declan Rice did a, a really dirty job today in terms of sitting at the back, breaking play up and, and then moving it forward. But he allowed Phillips um, to just get forward, didn't he, and do what he was doing. Yeah. On the 18th minute, I've just got a little note saying that Calvin Phillips is battling well. And there was a statistic at the end of the first half that that, 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 that he had 100% pass completion yeah. in the first half. And I don't know if that carried into the second half or not. But um, yeah, he's just battling really well. He looks so strong, like real, you know, he's got that sort of strong physique, but he's quick with it. Do you, do you know what, Patches? One of the things that we, I think we probably all said from a City fan's point of view, we haven't got a player in there like that. That What he was doing, he, he was fouling and breaking the player, but he wasn't doing it in a way that was obvious to the ref that he was doing, you know, 
doing it like that. He knew what he was doing. He was stopping them breaking up, breaking forward. Um, he was putting his foot on the ball and passing it when he could. But I thought that was the most impressive bit for me with him was the fact that he broke so many of their, uh, you know, uh, not attacks as such, but bringing the ball out by giving away a cheap free kick. But I don't mean that in a negative way. It was a really professional, clever way of doing it. And mm. I have to be honest, I mean, I've got a mate of mine who's a Leeds um, fan and he calls, I mean, he's known as the, the Yorkshire Pirlo, isn't he? Um, I've never really... He's a good player, but I've never really thought that highly of him. Today, like Adam said, he's he's first name on the team sheet for me in the next game. He was brilliant. He he was the the, the player in that eleven that I knew the least about and the least yeah. I'd seen play. Um, and and now being there, was it was his first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes as good as we saw? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was my man of the match. I, I yeah. was trying to find out on the tube who who was man of the match. I mean, Sterling. for me, it was it, it it was out of him and Sterling. Yeah. Um, was it Sterling that got it? Sterling, was it Matt? Sterling got it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, um, but I think Phillips for me was was my choice. Um, as you said, he, he did, and and and, it, and making those tackles and actually those fouls and not getting yellow cards is really clever. Yeah. Now you can probably put some of that down to the referee because obviously he wasn't an English ref and they do it differently. But I thought the ref was excellent. He let a lot <laughs> of things go. He didn't stop the game when a lot of refs would. Um, but I, yeah, he was. I mean, he, he, what a performance from I'm with you, Patch. He's, he's probably the player that I knew the least about and uh, wondered how he got in there. And probably if Henderson wasn't injured, he wouldn't have been in there. But yeah, outstanding performance. Yeah, really good. Yeah, you've got to take your chances. Um, so mm. just after that, uh, there was a, a Mason Mount little tip, uh, little chip over the top to Sterling, who I thought would have a shot, um, but he opted to cross it and it just sort of, you know, went too far and didn't hit didn't hit his target but a Raheem Sterling um Adam of last season he's gonna have a shot there he just doesn't seem to have the level of confidence that he did have but obviously you know we know what happens next but at the same time I, I think he can be much more threatening than that yeah 100% I think obviously the season he's had where he's been pretty much out of the loop at Man City he's never going to help um and I'm, yeah, I'm pleased that he eventually got that chance to score the goal. But yeah, I completely agree. I think I was sat with a friend of mine at home and we were watching it. And while Sterling was good, there were a few chances that you felt he could have really actually gone for goal on like that one. And the ones where he did go for goal, they kind of went way over the top. So I'm glad I'm pleased in the end that he got that chance and took it. Mm. Um, but I think that was the key. We were debating, I heard people debating them whether they thought it was Sterling or or Phillips for man of the match. But for me, that was why Phillips was my man of the match was because I think Sterling had a few chances and a few wayward touches, probably where the pace of the game, he hasn't been used to it for so long um, at playing at Man City. I mean, he's training at Man City, obviously, but um, but the match fitness is something he hasn't had for most of the season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to Matt's player ratings later because uh, it's been quite it's been it's been quite hard to do the player ratings on the Bristol City so, version yeah. of the bonus show. So uh, yeah. it's going to be refreshing, I'm sure. Um, 29th minute, uh, oh sorry, 26th minute. It was a first chance for Croatia. Perisic slices over after a cross comes in from the right, um, and Tyro Mings just doesn't quite get his body right. Um, but yeah, it was a, a missed opportunity. Thank, thank goodness for Perisic. Uh, 29th minute, Walker passes where he thinks Trippier should be, but he isn't. A few hours now from Walker, uh, after a fast start to the game, it started to get a bit stale for me, Matt, after about that, after about the 20th, 29th minute. Yeah, um, and I think if you listened to, I think it was Mason Mount after the game, um, and Nigel, know having been there, 
but it was so hot there. And it, and Mason Mank said, you know, we started off 20 minutes. We were all, he said, and, and we just lost, you know, we lost it. It was so, so hot and difficult to play. And so it was probably a little bit understandable um, that they, they, they dropped off. Um, I always find it quite interesting and, and, and Nigel will know far better with the, the level of coaching that he does. Um, but it, it's those moments when the, they, they talk about the triggers and Lee Johnson used to do it, where you look to see if a ball's played by the opposition in a certain way or you've pressed and they lose it. And then now that sets the triggers for the midfielder to bomb on or whatever. And I think they were doing that so much in that first 20 minutes that they were bound to have a, a passage of play where... Croatia had the ball. I think um, I saw a Jose Mourinho um, tweet and he was saying they had the ball, but didn't really do anything with it. And I think that was the case. England allowed them to have it, but knew that they weren't really going to threaten them. So, yeah, I, I think it was understandable that we dropped off in the, the sort of latter periods of that, that first yeah. 45. But that that incident in in isolation, you know, you pass defeat. You don't pass yeah. where where <laughs> you want the player to be. He just had that ten minutes, didn't he, Carl Walker, where he, he just couldn't sort of do anything right, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sunstroke, clearly. Yeah. Um, 42, 42 minutes. Uh, Trippier free kick. You think here we go? You know, another Trippier free kick against Croatia. And I think it was going where he wanted it to go, but the defender just sort of did his job and, and blocked it. It was so, Perisic game, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so I know the anticipation in the crowd must have been quite high at that point. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it looked a good position, didn't it? Um, I must admit, when Trippier stepped up, I kind of thought, is he going to do this twice, two times in a row against yeah. Croatia? And I had my doubts. So I was hoping somebody else was going to have a go. And obviously Mason Mount had a go in the second half, didn't he? Which was a bit closer. But it, as you said, it was on target. The, the wall's done his job at the end of the day. Yeah. <clears throat> in, in a funny note, Patch, with those free kicks, though, it almost seems every team now has that player led on the floor behind. I was there, I yeah. didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, yeah. how, how many games have we seen where you have scored with the ball going through the wall low? I mean, you might see a couple a season, but it's not like it's a regular occurrence. But it seems as though now everybody's doing that, let, getting someone it's led on the thing, floor. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think they're yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. I was always taught as a kid, I was always taught as a kid never to jump in the wall. But yeah. with that person now lying on the floor, it gives them the freedom to do it. And <laughs> yeah, that's no, why Perisic did his job. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to what you said, Matt, about the heat. They're just taking it in turns. Yes, who <laughs> gets to lie down for this one, yeah. <laughs> um, 45th minute, there was a shout-out for Gate Town from Guy Mowbray for, for uh, Tyrone Mings. And mm. Adam, could you hear the, the cheering from Yate Town, you know, watching the game? I couldn't hear it from Lodge Road behind me, no. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, I played for Yate Town for years when I was younger, and I think he was probably, I don't actually know how old he is, to be honest, but he would have been a few year groups above. Um, but yeah, what, what a journey he had from, from obviously from Yate. Well, he actually started at Corsham um, right. in the Western League. So he started at Corsham, Yate, Chippenham, and I don't know how, but somehow got spotted by Ipswich, and that's where kind of his career started then. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was it was quite funny to get to hear um to hear Yate get a shout out on the BBC. Yeah, what and what what a great example, what a great role model he is. I think he's got an academy, the Tyrone Mings Academy. Mm. Um, but you know, for someone playing at Yate Town or somewhere at that level, to think that you know how how quick he's got to play now for England. It must, uh, you know, all you need is that is that break. You know, someone from Ipswich spotted him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Same with Jamie Vardy. I think it was Mick extent. McCarthy. I think it was Mick McCarthy that, that I don't know if they played him in a preseason or. Okay. Um, but yeah, and and I did realize he just so he's twenty eight, Adam. I just googled to see, oh, right. and this is going to sound so stupid, but I didn't realize he was eighty Mings lad, the Bath City player. 
um, yes. who, yeah. lo- you know, locally, we all, you know, you know A.D. Mings, you've heard of A.D. Mings, and I never oh. realised that he was Tyrone's dad, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, into the second half, 52nd minute, Harry Kane should shoot, but doesn't, and gives the ball away. It was one of those ones where you just expect him to pull the trigger, and I, I, I for the life of me, can't understand why he just tries a, a sort of sideways pass to thread someone else in, and you, mm. you just think a man of Harry Kane's stature... For Tottenham, if he's got a Tottenham shirt on, he's going to shoot there, isn't he, uh, Nigel? Yeah, uh, and and all fairness, Harry, he, he, he didn't quite seem himself today, did he? I don't yeah. know what you guys thought, but he certainly weren't, weren't firing on, on all cylinders. And just come back listening to Talk Sport, they, the one guy rang in and said that he was a Leeds fan and he, he felt that uh, Phillips's performance where he was getting advanced was was getting in Harry Kane's way because obviously Harry Kane likes to come a bit deeper. But actually during the game, myself and the guys around me, we all felt that Harry Kane was coming too deep. And and we we never had an outlet, especially in the second half. I kept looking forward. Ironically, we scored a goal because there was a massive gap and Sternham was able to make that run. So whether Harry Kane, and I'll have to watch it back, whether Harry Kane has made that diagonal run to create that opening, I don't know whether it was a coincidence. But for me, Harry Kane um, was far too deep, coming into a 10 position, and we, we had absolutely no outlet up, up top whatsoever. And I think that's why we naturally then started to sit back a bit deeper because we had nowhere to go. I said this on Twitter uh, after the last friendly that I don't like it when he comes too deep and a few people sort of jumped on it and said, yeah, but, but that's what he does and that's his game. But if he's in there as a, as a lone striker, you, you want him to be up the top receiving the ball and scoring the goals, not coming deep to do a defence splitting pass because you know, Rooney started doing that towards the end of his career, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And in a four, two, three, one, he's, he's the top, top person. He's got to be up there. Yes. Um, and, and, and you're using your, 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 your wingers to do obviously rotate either side, come in and out diagonal runs and things. But, but yeah, when you come deep, unfortunately, then you add in, you're just too many players in midfield and no outlet ball whatsoever in a two, you can come short and obviously you've still got your nine in behind you or your 10 in behind you. And you can actually come check edge of the box, play a little, you know, one, two combination. But yeah, I thought, I felt that for me today, he definitely left us very, very light up top. So yeah. that's something that I think we need to look at in the next game. He seemed to be lacking energy, didn't he? He just he did. didn't seem the, uh, I don't that know, burst, the, the that, Harry that burst Kane of pace in. over yeah. five yeah. yards didn't seem to be there. No. And, and who knows, you know, obviously yeah. he's a very good friend of Christian Eriksen. That might have been playing on his yeah. mind a bit. Um, so yeah. we'll, we'll definitely cut in some slack and uh, we're still our star striker, isn't he? So, um, it would be interesting, Patch, if he is. If sorry to interrupt, if he yeah, is carrying right. any kind of knock, because because there's no way that we would come out and publicly say if he had yeah. any kind of injury. He's too big a player, but we all felt that he was definitely off the pace today. Yeah. And twice he went down, we thought he was either down with cramp or he was down with an injury. He's he's bashed into the post when he had a chance towards mm. the end, and he's hurt his ribs. So yeah, what's his space? Because it wouldn't surprise me if something comes out that he's perhaps carrying some kind of knock. He definitely wasn't himself today for sure. Okay, right. Fifty <clears> seventh <throat> um, minute, we get the breakthrough. One nil. Um, it was Walker to Phillips. Um, and Sterling runs into space, as we just said. You know, the space was created by Harry Harry Kane coming deep. Um, and Sterling still had plenty to do. And I actually thought he'd left it too left it too long to get his shot away. But um, obviously, he does slots it home really well under pressure, Adam. Yeah, and I think it was similar to the point I made earlier. He, I think, I agree with you. He did take that slightly too long, um, and it kind of did go through the keeper and the defender. Um, it was a good, a composed finish, I suppose, but a little bit of luck involved as well. 
But I think the, the thing that I actually missed, and I read a tweet afterwards earlier, and this might not be completely correct, um, but I saw a tweet to say that before the goal, there were 17 England passes um, that, that kind of led up to that goal. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch back because I've only seen kind of the, the instant replays, which just kind of show the goal, but goes back to Calvin Phillips again, doesn't it? It was, it was his work um, to put the ball, to kind of get it under control, put it through to Sterling. And then, yeah, obviously he got his goal, which which was good for him because we know what the, the press are like with the likes of Raheem. So we they'll have to um, kind of swallow their tongue when they're, when they're putting the articles out tomorrow. Oh, I'll find something, I'm sure. And Matt, I think this is a good time to launch the uh, Appreciation Society with the pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've we've said it. I, I thought Phillips was just outstanding and, and it was the strength as well to to, to pull away from, I don't, I don't know if, I can't think if it was Modric or who from a player point of view, but to then have the composure to just slot a ball in and it was into Sterling's path in, you know, as Adam said, he seemed to take slightly too long, but but actually maybe taking that little bit longer was what then allowed him to hit it where he hit it in the keeper to kind of get beat by it. But yeah, Phillips was, was absolutely top, top draw. Um, and listening to him after the game as well, he seems like a really level headed guy um, sort of said, he, you know, he really enjoyed it and it was, it was great that, that people were speaking about his performance, but um, I, I thought he was clearly man of the match. I thought it was that good a performance that I didn't think anyone came close to him, if I'm honest. Yeah, okay. We'll uh, come on to the ratings in a bit, but I agree with you. Um, mm. 61st minute, Kane starting to drift deeper, um, I, I've written here. Sh- showing more purpose, though, and uh, Mount gets into the byline, crosses, and Kane gets into the box, and there's a coming together with defender, keeper, post, all sorts going on. But you, you think that's definitely 2-0 there, Nigel? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I watched that one back on the highlights on the tube and I, I it looks as if he was going to get there. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, you know, as I said, good defending, I suppose, at the end of the day. Defender was brave. He's put himself, put his body on the line and um, and he stopped Harry from scoring. But, uh, yeah, you mentioned Mount. I, Mount, I was going to ask you guys what you thought because he was the one player for me that actually I wouldn't have known was on the pitch apart from the free kick. And I like Mount. I, I had him in my starting eleven. I don't really know how how uh, how he fared at all on the on the camera, but uh, for me, apart from the free kick, didn't really see him uh, get involved a lot. To be well, fair, as as our as our resident Chelsea fan, <clears throat> I'll ask I'll, I'll let Adam take that. What's your thoughts on on Mason Mount? I mean, thinking about it, probably I wouldn't necessarily disagree. Um, I think he probably did the simple things well. I think I don't think he stood out certainly. Um, I think. Kind of, he was kind of more on the left hand side, wasn't he? And, mm. and Foden looked really good on the right, and obviously Phillips stole the show in the middle, um, as well as Rice kind of hanging back as well. I think almost the spine of the team today, I think, agreed. A, a, apart from potentially Harry Kane, who was off of it a little bit, was was kind of where the game stood out. Um, I think we probably mm. struggled and uh, towards the right and the left, like we mentioned, Carl Walker a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I don't think Mason Mount stood out as um, a top performer, but he, I think he's still in this. It's got to be in the starting eleven for the remaining group games, though. In my view, I think he'll come good. It's funny. It's funny for me. I thought he was excellent, um, and actually, for the, all the reasons you just said, Adam, doing the simple stuff, I thought there were passages of play on the left hand side with him, Trippier, and Sterling, where a number of times he, he played a lovely little ball in. He played one ball over the top, a little clipped ball for Sterling. That Sterling didn't take that. That was a, a ball from Mank. Um, and and funny enough, I I had a not an argument, but I spoke to my brother-in-law um, after the game, 
And we were saying, I was saying Sterling got man of the match. And he was saying, you're joking. He wouldn't even be in my starting lineup next game. Phil Foden was by far and away man of the match. And actually, I thought Foden had the shot, did another piece of brilliant skill where he brought the ball down, but didn't actually do very much else. I didn't think. And I thought Mount gave more to the game than Foden did. That's why I asked you a question about. Um, so it's, where it's, he, again, where it's interesting what people think, isn't it? You know, yeah, that's why mm. interesting. I asked you the question about where he plays for Man City more more often because mm. I just thought he was a little bit wasted where he was. He just seemed to be sort of too wide, drifting out of the game a little bit. Um, I know he's not a striker, but uh, I'd like to see him a little bit more central personally if he's going to affect the game. I'm not sure we got the ball to him enough though, Patch. And I think no. we've said that at times with City as well, watching it. Those first few minutes, he, he seemed to have his full back on toast. And then we stopped getting the ball out to him or they, you know, perhaps they closed the space down a little bit. But yeah, I didn't I didn't think he did an awful lot, if I'm honest. Well, the, the next the next thing I've got written here, it was a driving run forward from, from Mason Mount that wins uh, a free kick in a dangerous position on the edge of the box, almost almost in the pe- in, a, in the uh, penalty box. Um, and it, it Mount then does take that free kick and it is a great effort, Nigel. Yeah, it was. It was um, literally. I think it was probably just inches, wasn't it? Over the over the top, sort of. He's, he's curled it around and gone for the opposite side. Everybody naturally thought he was going to curl it in the top top right, and he's gone mm. for the top left. So yeah, it was a good effort. Um, obviously, I think you always really want to see any free kicks, penalties on on target. That's always the priority. So I suppose the fact that it's not on target, you'd have to say it's a bit disappointing. But mm. it was. Uh, it probably looked a bit better than Trippier's attempt. But as I said, Trippier's attempt probably was on target and top bins had the war not done their job. So, yeah, yeah it's good effort. So, 70th minute, it was a bit of a shock for me when Foden came off. But, obviously, when you've got Rashford on the bench, um, it's, it's you know, a position that he's going to be slightly more attacking, slightly more forward-thinking. With with Harry Kane dropping, he, it um, you know, gives gives opportunity for Rashford to be the the, the striker. Um, your thoughts on that one, Matt, that substitution? Um, I was surprised because, again, going back to Kane, the, the change for me would have been Kane and whether that was Rashford or Calvert-Lewin, but that would have been the first one I made. Um, as I said, I, I didn't think Foden saw enough of the ball and, and had enough influence, if you like, um, to have warranted, you know, me sort of saying when that change was made, what's he doing kind of scenario. I could understand why he did it. So, and Rashford is, you know, he was captain last game, scored, probably considered himself slightly unlucky not to start. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great strength and depth in it if you can bring a, qual- a player like him on, um, especially in sort of heat of today. Absolutely. Um, 74th minute, uh, Tyrone Mings uh, knocks the ball, heads the ball back into Sterling's path. And I think his shot's still rising. Did that one hit you, Nigel? <laughs> close. It was pretty close. Um, and, and just on the whole Sterling thing, because, you know, I put I had Sterling in my starting 11. I, I posted it on Facebook a week, a week ago. And uh, I, I think that we're, as I think too many fans are too quickly to write players off and actually just go for someone because they're the new sexy name, whether it's like Sancho or Bellingham. I think as a coach, you've got to trust and respect and have some loyalty, but there's not enough loyalty in football. And and you only have to go back a year and the qualifiers and Sterling was unplayable. There were games Mm. during the qualifiers where him, Kane was just completely unplayable. And, and I absolutely, I'm chuffed to bits that Sterling scored the winner. Um, And and I posted straight away and Matt would have seen it. I stuck it straight on Facebook. I think you liked it, Matt. As soon as he scored, I, I posted the celebrations in the crowd and said, um, 
all the Sterling haters, dot, dot, yeah. dot, oops. And yeah. uh, of course, I'm feeling quite smug at that point. And then 10 minutes later, <laughs> when he blasts one over the bar and it is still rising, I'm thinking, oh, I think I might be in for a little bit of a, no, a little bit of banter coming back my way now. But I saw, like, your, I I saw, your, uh, saw your banter, Matt, with um, with Tony Wilkins, telling him to stick to uh, selling Yeah, t- Tony Wilkins. Well, it's funny, another kid that I went to school with had, had literally just posted something along the lines of what is Sterling doing on the pitch? Can anyone explain as he scores? And I'd seen it and I dropped him a note back going, yeah, well done. Good timing, Mac. And he deleted the post, <laughs> but because I'd already seen it, I messaged him and said, and then Tony Wilkins was sort of saying, uh, yeah, about, um, you know, got to get Sterling off and um, Trippier and bring on Shaw. And I don't know if it was Rashford. He said, no, Grealish, I think he said. And again, I said to Tone to, to stick to meat, which is what he does selling for a living. And uh, quite rightly, he came back. He says he also sells fish. So <laughs> if you need your meat and fish, Tony's your man. <laughs> Tony the meat monger. There you yeah. go. A little bit of a plug for you there, too. Fair play to him, yeah. Um, what, was, what, did, what did shock me a little bit was when um, Bellingham, who's not even 18 yet, comes on mm. for Harry Kane. Uh, it's a big call, that one, Adam, in the first game of the Euros to bring... Bellingham on for for Captain Kane. I I don't know if it is. Um, he scored. He's played and scored in the quarterfinal of the Champions League for Borussia Dortmund. He he may have won the Bundesliga Young Player of the Year. Um, I think as we've all alluded to, Kane wasn't up to much today. Um, and it absolutely was the right call that he was going to go off. Um, and we needed someone who was kind of going to do it at the back a bit more. And I mean, I didn't see that many minutes of Bellingham. But every time anyone went near him, the ball was up the other end because he was just getting rid of everything. He was jumping into yeah. every tackle. For a 17-year-old, he's 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 got a heart of steel or whatever. But like he he was he just was really really impressive. Um, and it's the thing I'm just thinking about whilst we're having this conversation that the depth that we've got in that team mm. that we can we can go to the likes of Jude Bellingham to replace someone like Harry Kane. Um, and he can even in the the 10 minutes or whatever it was he was on the pitch, I felt like he stood out. Um, you look back to our previous squads of, I don't know, 2004, 2006, where we probably had one of the best starting 11s in the world, but had no one on the bench at all. Yep. Whereas we go into these kind of tournaments now and the, the quality we've got on the bench. Um, well, is, Sancho, is Sancho wasn't even on the bench, was he? No. Or, or, or Chilwell. Or Chilwell. You know, well, uh, so, yeah. The cha- Champions League winner and doesn't make the bench. Yeah. What did he do in terms of the shape when, um, when King came off? Did Sterling go down the middle or Rashford? I didn't notice from the TV. Rashford. Rashford. Yeah, he stuck Rashford up top. Right. Rashford went up top and then, um, yeah. yeah. See, funny enough, going back to both those substitutions, on the Foden one, the mood around me was that was the right move. Foden hadn't Mm. done enough. And I'm due, Matt, I think after a shot, I don't recall him contributing to the game whatsoever. So for for me and all the people around us, we felt Foden was the first one to go off. And then the Bellingham one, again, similar to you, Patch. um, I was surprised and I was a bit worried and uh, nervous for him because I felt it was a huge occasion. And for a 17-year-old to be put into that situation with nine minutes left, I mean, whew, I was a bit worried. But um, but yeah, he, he did fine. He did fine. I think he did actually give the ball away on his first touch. But yeah. after that, I, he, he, did. Said, he, he, he literally hard. won everything after his end. And I get get both of that, but I'm with Adam. You know, the, the kids played. He's gone to Borussia Dortmund from Birmingham, having been Birmingham's kind of star man at 16. And he's gone straight into Borussia Dortmund's first year. He's, he's, he's regular starter for them. Um, I think he did get Young Player of the Year over there. Um, so he doesn't phase him. And goes back to Nigel's point about confidence. 
Gareth Southgate, he's got faith and he's got confidence mm. in the players that he picks. And, you know, when you've got that from your manager, you think, right, I'll go out and play, innit? And maybe the the exuberance yeah. of youth, he, he isn't fearful at all. You know, unless you get get me on the pitch and I'll do it. Yeah, exciting times. And I remember seeing him, Dan Ashton Gate, and he stood head and shoulders above everyone. He's yeah. probably only like 16 then, to be he fair. He was 16, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he was great. Um, 86 minute, I've got uh, Pickford with a Frank Fielding-esque goal kick, straight into touch. <laughs> Did you see that one? <laughs> He does it a couple don't of start, times. Don't start me on that. <laughs> Go on, Nigel. Have a start on this, that. It, honestly, honestly, I, we, I, I could not believe a, a goalkeeper of that quality. His distribution today was diabolical. Mm. He had a cracking uh, uh, pass in the first half, actually, when he almost set, I think it was Foden free. But his second half, it, that wasn't the only one pass. I think there were three in a row when he's, all, he's put it out to touch. And he was fuming with himself after every single time. You'd see him jumping up and down, mm. sort of, and shaking around, twisted. So he knew. But for a goalkeeper of international standard, and that was just when we needed to keep hold of the ball and playing the goal kick the way he was. He was always trying to hit that left-hand side. Terrible, terrible yeah. for 10 minutes. He must have hit three yeah. into touch. Yeah. Just the interesting thing is though, is so many keepers nowadays aren't tested in that capacity because so many are playing out the back. And I don't feel like we've played out the back, <coughs> which is really interesting. There was a number of thought, occasions though where the, hmm. where, where, um, you know, it's a shout that I often come up with at Ashton Gate is keepers on because you see him sort of going from the striker when yeah. they haven't got any joy there, they pass it back to the midfielder, and all of a sudden it's back with the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um. And and I saw that a couple of times today, Matt. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I agree with Nigel. I think if you ask Pickford what one of his strengths was, he would say his distribution, and it, and it probably is a lot of the time. But I also think he, he's that was quite Bristolian then, wasn't it? Um, with like a farmer then. I also think <laughs> um, I can hear that in my own head. Um, I think he thinks he's better. He's even better than he is with it. So he tries to play these really clever, dinked, chipped passes, yeah. you know, and, and a little bit like that. But um, it's frustrating when it happens. I, I thought today, quite often, we had the ball at the back and Stones and Mings were playing it to each other. Then they'd play it to Trippier or to Walker. Then they'd get it back. Then it'd get back to Pickford. A little bit like watching City for the last couple of seasons, the, the kind of sideways backwards. But actually, again, the weather must come into that. You know, your midfielders just can't do the running that you'd want them to do. Yeah, your forwards aren't, yeah, your forwards aren't making the the same sort of runs, are they? So, but yeah, I, I agree. I thought his distribution today was was really poor. Yeah. Okay. Um, ninety second minute, Sterling comes off and Calvert Lewin comes on. Um, obviously the game was was then over, but there there were spells in that last sort of 10, 15 minutes where you know, as an England fan, as a City fan, you just think. Yeah, going to get an equaliser here, aren't they? It was starting to get a little bit, a little bit nervy. How was it in the the stadium, Nigel? Yeah, honestly, it it, it wasn't, and uh, and that is a surprise. I I agree. I mean, there's always that feeling because it's England, and and you think something bad's going to happen. There's going to be a mistake or something. Stones is going to do one of his back passes, but it, it it didn't. It just there wasn't a threat. I think the only threat that really. Croatia cause was they did probably get down the right hand side during the game a few too many times and got crosses in um, but other than that they really didn't look like they were going to score Modric had a couple of long range efforts but no I can honestly say there was no nerves around us it all felt fairly calm and composed to be honest with you which is which is good mm, brilliant 
Um, so yeah, three points on the board. I asked Rob, who was who's our halftime usual summarizer for the Bristol City games, just to give me his thoughts. Uh, but very cagey. Need a moment of inspiration, and we got it. Deserve the win. Game plan executed perfectly. But I would have brought Grealish on at seven, at seventy five minutes to win free kicks and take some time out of the game. So yeah, don't disagree with that. So thanks to Rob for that. Right, Matt, let's come on to the player ratings and how this works for people who haven't listened before. Um, six is the expected performance level. Um, obviously, anything above that is is ab- above. So, um, Matt, talk it through. And Nigel, Adam, if you disagree, chip in and challenge. Go for you, Matt. Yeah. <clears throat> so, Pickford, I've gone um, six. So, everything I've just said about his distribution, but I actually thought he, he looked really solid with anything that came his way. There were a couple of moments in the second half in particular where he came and sort of caught the ball when it was just about to bounce around. There was one slight moment where Kyle Walker let the ball come across him and shielded it. And, and um, I don't know if it was Rio Ferdinand said, yeah, he, he, he always knew where Perisic was there. He absolutely didn't because he came behind him the other side. And it was just the way that Walker was. But I thought Pickford did everything he could have been asked to do from a, a goalkeeping point of view. Um, arguably you could knock him down to five because of his distribution, but I, I think it'd be a bit harsh. I've gone six for him. Um, Kyle Walker, again, you know, we, we talk, we've said it, haven't we, about the opposition. Um, I thought Perisic got in on him a couple of times during the game, but in the main, I thought he was pretty reliable. His distribution wasn't great, um, but again, I'm going to give him a six because I thought he, you know, he was, he was okay. Um, arguably again, you know, he might be one. I wouldn't disagree if someone gave him a five. I don't think he was superb, but I thought he was okay. Um, yeah, I would I would have knocked him down, Matt, for, would the, you go for five, the passes yeah. in the first half. Because, yeah, because yeah, you cost, mentioned the one costly, he, he played out. But just before that, he tried mm. a bit of a diag and went straight to a Croatian midfielder. So he yeah. actually, like you said, he had a five-minute spell when it all seemed to go wrong for him. So I think, yeah, yeah I'd probably yeah, knock I, him down I, one. I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of competition for his place as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Um, Stones, I've gone six. Um, I thought he was he was comfortable um, again, though, because of the opposition. Um, so he did what he had to do. He went down with cramp, didn't he, with about twenty minutes to go, which I thought was slightly strange, really, for the football that he's played. But um, I guess again in the heat, you know, that's going to take its toll. So yeah, six for him. Um, Tyrone Mings, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying was was lots better than him, but I do think Tyrone Mings was probably one of the players that fans were nervous about and thought would Harry Maguire not be in. He, he didn't have the best couple of friendlies recently. I think he's one of those players that is is always liable to to potentially make a mistake. But I thought he was really really solid today and did everything that could have been asked of him. He tied it up really well. So I've gone seven for him. Um, yeah, for I, agree. I, I was prepared to I was prepared to challenge if it wasn't a seven on that one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, he was a real yeah. presence. A real Me presence, too. And and, and 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 I'll tell you, Matt, I, I'd I'd go as far as saying an eight. I, he was yeah. he was outstanding because I was just as nervous as you. I actually want to pick the team. I put Ben White in ahead of him just because yeah. I didn't trust Mings at all. Um, but the mood in the, the stadium, the, it, he was fantastic. And actually, yeah. I saw a stat coming home uh, on the tube in the first half. He uh, completed the most passes, a hundred percent tackle rate, and everything else. His, his stats yeah. were, were perfect. So he, he was he was outstanding. I, I, yeah, really I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue going the other way with an eight. I thought, especially, I mean, I don't know how much the players take 
the media into account and you know, whether they do on Twitter or whatever. But he knows himself he, he wasn't great in the friendly. So he must have been a little bit nervous. And, you know, as, as Adam said, mm. you're talking about a kid mm. from Yate who's playing in his first, mm. in, you know, Euro- European championship. So, yeah, fair play to him. Do we do we go eight then, or do we go seven? No, we'll go eight. Let's go eight. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're Bristolian. Let's go eight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Kieran Trippier. Um, you know, I have to say, as, as I said at the start, um, I would have gone Shaw or Chilwell. I probably would have gone Shaw, but that's my Man United bias, um, and I wouldn't have argued if Chilwell had gone in there. And, and Trippier probably would have been my third choice out of those three to play at left back. But everything Gareth Southgate said about him. I thought he was excellent. You could see he was calm. Um, I can't remember him, him really doing anything too wrong. Um, not saying he, he was necessarily brilliant going forward, but you know it's definitely a six, and again, arguably even a seven. But I've gone six for for him. Um, but I thought it was a brave move by Southgate, and he got it absolutely spot on. Okay. Apparently, again, uh, I've heard uh, just talking in the ground that the reason uh, Southgate has gone for Trippier is because he felt that the threat from Croatia was their two wide guys. Yeah. And he wanted defenders to defend yeah. rather than if it was a Chilwell, he would yeah. have been bombing forward and he would have left us exposed. Yeah. And Shaw, so by yeah. playing Sterling, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and Shaw as well, they both would have been two attacking. So yeah. don't be surprised to see a change in the Scotland game. I think yeah. the theory is that Southgate has picked his teams for all three group games. Yeah. And today was very specific. Today yeah. was all about defending the uh, 70 and the, and, the 11 from Croatia. He, so I think got that's his, why Trippier got a spot on, didn't he? He got his spot on. Um, <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Declan Rice, they, funnily enough, Declan Rice, I think, was was the archetypal, <laughs> archetypal whatever that word is, yeah, um, role, role today where he did everything that was expected of him. Nothing was was actually um, eye-catching. He just sat in the back, protected the, the, the defence, broke the player, laid it into Calvin Phillips or laid it off wide. Um, I thought he was he was excellent. And I've gone seven for Declan Rice. I thought he was a, it was a really good defensive midfield performance from him. Yeah, just solid. Yeah. Um, Calvin Phillips, and I've got to be careful not to kind of go over the top um, in fact, I think the membership cards are just printed off now. Um, he's a definite eight. And I, I've got to say, on the basis of, of giving Tyrone Mings an eight, I would even go a nine for Phillips. I, I thought his performance today was just outstanding, like I said. I, I thought he was clearly man of the match. Um, his energy, we talked about the way that he broke their play up and gave away the, the, the clever free kicks. He set the goal up. He had the shot in the first half. Um, and we're still going at the end. I thought it was a really a, a, an outstanding performance. It's definitely, yeah, as I say, an eight, be a nine, uh, I I'll go with nine. Yeah, are you happy with a nine? Yeah. And, and if Nigel is saying there that, that Southgate's picked his team for the next you know, two games, it, he arguably might have had someone else in there for the Scotland game, but he's obviously put in that performance, which I think he's going to be our man of the match, and he's caused him a problem if it, if it is, but who knows? Who would come in there? I mean, obviously you've got, you've got Henderson, but I just don't know how fit Henderson is. But who else nice could come in there in that role? Well, I think I think Henderson would be the only option if he's going mm. to keep Rice in there because they're the three. The only yeah. thing I would say with um, with Phillips, I was going to say it earlier when we talked about free kicks, is the one thing that would worry me in tournament football 
is some European football referees are very different. I, I, yeah. I praised the one today. But if yeah. he does too many of those niggling tackles, he's going to pick up a yellow card. And then what might happen is he might put one more and all of a sudden yeah. we've got a red card. So will Southgate be thinking that the Scotland game is going to be very niggly? Mm. And is Phillips a little bit of a, a, a potential risk? Whereas a Henderson is just going to sit there and actually just protect and have the experience. So yeah. if Henderson's fit, don't be surprised if Henderson comes in for the Scotland game. Yeah. But obviously, based on that, you know, it would be it would be hard on the boy. But mm. that type of player, he could he could pick up a yellow or a red yeah. potentially. That would be my only risk. I, I don't even think the ref <laughs> sort of spoke to him. Not normally you, you see some games, don't you, where you, when you've had that and the refs kind of count them up and say mm. one yeah. more and you're it's a booking. Yeah. Didn't seem to even almost <laughs> acknowledge the fact that he was making those fouls, did he? But um Mason Mount. Um, again, I, I've gone seven, but I know the, the you know you, you boys sort of felt he was he was fairly quiet and didn't do it. I I actually thought, as I said, that he he did everything you want him to do in terms of he created. He played a couple of really lovely passes. I thought he was energetic, so I I went seven. I wouldn't argue against the six. I would argue against the five, but yeah, I'm happy with seven. Yeah, um, Foden, I've gone six. Um, I thought. The, the shot that he had was superb. I thought the, the the moment after it, I don't know if it was Walker that played the ball up the line and, and he watched it and then just took it on his foot yeah. and then brought it inside was was brilliant. But that was kind of it. But again, ironically, and I, and I referenced it earlier on in, and Nigel knows him, my brother-in-law Gordon, when we were talking about the game, he was like, you know, who was your man of the match? And I said, well, Phillips for me and then probably Sterling. And he was like, oh, Sterling, what was he doing out there? Like, Phil Foden was man of the match. And I'm like, come on. How <laughs> can you have watched a game where you thought Foden was man of the match? I'm not I'm not having a go at the kid. You know? Come on, Gordon, have, have, have a word with yourself. <laughs> Do you remember back in Euro, Euro 96? I think Gascoigne's first game, he was um, uninspiring. Yeah. Well, I think the whole team were, weren't they, in Switzerland? Yeah. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't remember much of it to be fair. <laughs> I, I, all, this, all these comparisons to Gascoigne, but yeah. maybe may, maybe that put it added a bit of pressure on. To be fair, yeah, and and I, I suppose you you look at that and you think, is is him having his haircut a tribute to Gascoigne, or is it also a little bit of am I the Gascoigne you know for this tournament? And I don't know where I I, I just mm. thought that I don't know where I, I sit on that to think should he have done it, shouldn't he have done it, or was it just the media saying that he's done it like Gascoigne, you know? And it was just yeah. Um, and then Sterling, mm. I've gone eight. Um, I thought he, yes, he, he missed a couple of chances. But again, I think you, you're talking about a bloke who knows he's not been on form. Adam said earlier on about he knows he wasn't, you know, he hadn't been in the Man City side. Um, I thought he he worked hard in the first half. He did create a couple of opportunities and, and a, a more confident Raheem Sterling takes that first one on his left foot straight away without thinking about it rather than crossing. Um, he did get the goal. We won the game. Um, so, yeah, I've gone eight for Raheem Sterling. Yeah, I think if he hadn't got that goal, I would be saying seven. That'd be a four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. The other thing the other thing on Sterling as well, and I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, bigging him up too much, but if you actually watch it back again, which I'm, I'll do tomorrow um, when I get a chance, is his defending as well. He actually, you said, Matt, he worked hard. He worked really hard. And there were times yeah. when he was down in our in our defensive corner Shielding the ball out for a goal kick. Yeah. Now this is our front three. Yeah. Um, his work rate is phenomenal, and that's why that's why Stur- um, Southgate is going to trust him. At no yeah. point was Foden back defending our our eighteen yard box. But watch how many times Sterling got back and supported the fullback. I thought, yeah. yeah, he worked really really hard in that heat. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and then the last one, Harry Kane. Um, and I hate to do it because I, I really like Harry Kane, but it's a five. I, I didn't think Harry Kane was was anywhere near what you'd want as your number nine. Um, and let alone with what you know you can get from Harry Kane. Um, and, and I was actually surprised he stayed on as long as he did. And, and if it is a, a niggle or something that he's got, then I, I would have thought that Southgate might have, you know, protected him a little bit sooner. I, I was calling to bring Calvert-Lewin on much earlier because I think he, he's, I like Calvert-Lewin. He's, he's a handful. He wins a lot of ball in the air. He's energetic as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was as, in fact, it was as poor a game as I can remember seeing Harry King play for England. Any disagreements? Mm-hmm. The difference is with, with, with Tottenham, he's got, they've got Son, haven't they, who can kind of play that other striker, whereas in England, we, we don't necessarily need that, that false number yeah. nine that he was trying to go into that position on. Um, and almost, yeah, as, as we've kind of said, mm-hmm. kind of almost getting in people's way. Um, we want him up top yeah. to get on the end of those crosses. Someone put a tweet mm-hmm. on, Adam, earlier on. Um, Harry Kane, and they had a photo of Lee Mack, the comedian, playing in you know the, the charity games that they do for England. And saying this is like this is Harry King without song. <laughs> it was a, a photo of Lee Mack. <laughs> so, yeah, um, but yeah. he start. You know, if it, if it, if he's not injured, he starts the next game for me because you know what a quality quality striker he is, don't you? So well, absolutely. And you know, if if he's just just started, you know, getting going, he's in third gear. It only only means he's going to put in a shift and do a seven and eight and a nine yeah. in the next three games. So um, yeah, yeah, brilliant. And Gareth, Sides- and I guess the gaff the. the the gaffer, yeah, um, definitely an eight because I think he made some big calls and got the calls right. I don't know if that was enough to go a nine because I think, um, as I said, there were a couple of perhaps sub- subs that he could have made. Um, probably a little bit of a surprise that Jack Grealish didn't get any time at all with the way that he's been playing. And, and I think, I don't know if it was you or Adam said earlier on about, you know, bring, or might have been nine, sorry, bringing him on and, and kind of what he does, wins the free kicks. Yeah, in, but I think he's been that good. Oh, it was Rob, wasn't it? Of course it was. He's been that good in the last couple of friendlies that that pretty much to a man, every pundit that you've either watched or seen comments on on Twitter had Jack Grealish starting. Um, but Southgate stuck with what he knew, what he wanted, and he's gone with that. And, and maybe Jack Grealish's time comes in the Scotland game when it's yeah. more of a an English Premiership type game. Um, so yeah, I've gone eight. Well, that, for that, that's what I was going to say, Matt. I, I think that's what Southgate's thinking. Can you imagine how yeah. many hits he's going to take against Scotland? How many free kicks we're going to yeah. get in and around the box? Yeah. He's going to be target yeah. number one. He is going to get battered. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, I'm sure that's what he's thinking. Yeah. The, yeah. the only other comment I'd make on Southgate whilst we've spoken about the game there, there was quite a lot of go- things going on outside the game that I think mm. he would have had a massive influence on. Um, I think you talk about the media, you talk about what happened with Christian Eriksen yesterday, you talk about the players taking the knees. had he's probably had a lot to deal with with the players for the last 24, 48 hours and he's still, mm. Alfgate, he's still mm. that, that calm bloke probably in the dressing room that, that they all respect. So I think in that sense, he's probably done a really, really good job today. That's a great show, Adam. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And anyone who yeah. can wear a full yeah, totally any, agree. Anyone who can wear a full suit in that heat as well, yeah. you know, yeah. he's, do, he's doing really I'm well. struggling in a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, great. Great ratings there. And to be clear, man of the match, Calvin Phillips, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. And we're doing a range of baseball hats and the little drink um, thermos <laughs> tuck flasks. 40, 40 quid each. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Brilliant. Oof. Okay. Um, so <laughs> next game is Scotland. As sort of Nigel alluded to, we may see a, a slightly different team in that one. And yeah, great if Jack Grealish comes in, but maybe who does he come in for, I guess, is, you know, Mount or Foden, I guess. Um, I don't see how you can drop Calvin Phillips after a performance like that. So it'd be interesting to see any more changes at the back potentially as well. But um it, end of the day, three points, which we haven't had before in the Euros and a great start. Um, just touch on the rest of the games. Have you guys enjoyed the game so far? I think I've watched every game and uh, really got into it. It just makes such a difference, doesn't it, with uh, with the crowd, even though there's, you know, only X percentage capacity there. But it just makes me want to watch it even more, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's the Euro Championships, isn't it? You've got to watch every game. I mean, even, you know, to say I was watching Austria, North Macedonia, <laughs> it's like, really? But yeah, it's, um, you want to watch as much as you can, don't you? So um, I'll be taking my lunch break tomorrow during the Scotland game. Um, <laughs> which game have you, which game I have I've you got a meeting in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> Adam, which game uh, have you enjoyed most so far? Obviously, England aside. Um, well, we went to walkabout in Bristol to watch the opening game, the Italy game, um, and Italy looked, whilst Turkey looked horrendous, Italy looked very, very good. Mm. Um, but the only trouble, trouble I've got is I had tickets for three games and UEFA took all three away from me, so I'm, I'm struggling to watch it <laughs> in a happy way at the moment. Um, but I've got one interesting stat, just because we were talking about the North Macedonia game just now. Um, when I was watching and I was kind of on Twitter in the background, I read a stat that the striker for North Macedonia, I can't remember his name, Andev. who's 30, yeah, him, he played against David Seaman when England at some point played against Macedonia. So that's how old he is and kind of the, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> Brilliant. Bloody yeah, hell. no, it is. Yeah, exactly. And it's just one of just, those sort of things where you just watch every game that you can really, yeah. isn't it? Matt? Just on, um, yeah, absolutely. Just on last night, Patch, do you think UEFA should have taken that decision out of the players' hands? Because I, I personally don't know how Denmark were able to play that second half. And, you know, you, you can talk about they wanted to win it for him. And, but how do you, how are you mentally prepared and that not <coughs> affecting you for that performance? And I, I just felt UEFA should have ste- stepped in and said, no, you know, that one's going to be rearranged, replayed, you know, two days time or whatever. Um, because, all right, by all accounts, and I don't know how true it was, he, he FaceTimed, the team during that break to sort of say he wanted them to go out and win it for him. But um, I just felt UEFA should have made that decision. Well, not only that for 90 minutes, they've played 45 minutes and they're not doing anything. I imagine they were sort of, you know, running around in the changing room or whatever, keeping warm, but um, mentally, physically, it's a great shout. Um, You know, if he hadn't have had that call and he was still, you know, in limbo, who knows what would have happened? You know, you it, would, it would never have happened without the FaceTime call, though, would it? I think no. I coming from someone who has played, I would have. I know I would have wanted to. I completely get your point that UEFA should potentially have taken it out of their hands, but yeah, I think, then, I think at the end of the day that all of the players would have been of the same opinion. Um, I think without that FaceTime call to say I'm good, and apparently he said I'm good, I'm feeling okay. Literally, go and play the rest of the game. I would have struggled to then turn around to the ref and say, I'm not ready to play. Um, I feel gutted for the I, players, I, though, to actually have got then gone and played and not done it for him and won. <laughs> I think you, that's, you, that's You could tell, though, because yeah. they really weren't up to it. Um, no. Well, you could tell by the penalty. Mistake. Yeah, the penalty. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's what I mean, Adam. I think that's why UEFA should have taken that out of their hands because yeah, they yeah, were absolutely always thing. always going to want to play for him. And I just felt it was it was actually slightly unfair. I'd also say you've got to say Finland as well. Um, great credit to them because obviously they were affected by it. I mean, I was in tears watching it on TV, exactly. let alone what they were like. Yeah. Um, but for them to applaud then the Danish team as they came back on the pitch. It, it showed, didn't it? Just what you know, what a fabulous game it is, and mm. why we all love it. But yeah, I, I was just surprised. I felt UEFA should have said no. You know, we're, we're going to rearrange it or whatever, or give it yeah. a draw, however you want to do it. But yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, well, yeah, very, very strange situation. Um, so that that's the end of the England chat. So anyone who's listening who's not a Bristol City fan, you feel free to switch off now. Um, but obviously this bonus show is usually Bristol City content. So I, I watched this morning the 25-minute interview with Nigel Pearson, and I thought it was fantastic. I really love the informality, the open, honest. I loved it. He was sat there in his skivvies, as he called it. But we did learn that he wants five players. Um, we, we learned that Andy Vyman and... Um, Danny Simpson, Danny Simpson will be resolved in the next week. And I really do hope that Andy Vyman in particular is, is wrapped up uh, and, and sorted. And, you know, if Danny Simpson is someone who Nigel Pearson is obviously trusts um, and sees that he's got another good at least season left in him, then obviously him as well. Um, but yeah, all in all, really informal. Great to hear that open and honest conversation. Um, Matt, I'll get your, your thoughts on it. Any takeaways from you? Yeah, completely echo what you said. Um, I'd also point out the huge scars on both his knees. Mm. Um, so that obviously shows what, what he went through. I guess I was slightly um, disappointed, I think, with the fact that it seems as though Richard Gould is going to be involved in the kind of recruitment element and from contracts and things like that. And I just don't know... You know, I've, I've talked about wanting a football man in there doing that sort of thing. I always felt with Mark Ashton, the fact that he wasn't a football man, um, although, he, you know, I know he came from a football background and stuff, but I, I always felt he was more business. So I would have liked to have seen something more on the recruitment and someone else coming in with that, and also potentially from a coaching perspective. But he didn't necessarily rule that out, did he? He kind of, when he was asked about anybody else coming in for the back room, he sort of said he was, you know, happy with what he's got, but, yeah. but you know, almost who knows. Um and he, he was quite clever with what he said, wasn't he? I think he was very honest, but, you know, it is going to be different this year. Um, he's got his targets in mind. They're working on him. He wants five through the spine. I think he said, didn't he, two centre-halves, mm. which I think is quite interesting when you consider the Callas sort of scenario at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, a midfielder and or two midfielders and one up top. Someone who can um, put the ball in the net, as he said. Yeah. Um, whereas I'd, I'd also like to see a bit of whip from the team. I think we definitely need obviously a, another right back if Simpson signs or not. Yeah. Um, and potentially left back, you know, how, how fit is Jada Silva and, and how close to sort of being regulars a, a George Nurse or Cam Pring. So, but no, I, I, I do really enjoy listening to him and I always quite find it quite funny how measured he is. And then he, he thinks he's like, yeah, yeah, well it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, I yeah. love listening to him. And another thing he said about Dave Rennie, um, not the player from the nineties, um, no, yeah. Dave Rennie from, <laughs> from Leicester, who's been there 20 years, and he basically said he keeps players fit. So, yeah. I mean, that's what we want to hear, but obviously time will tell on yeah. that one. Uh, Nigel, have you had a chance to to watch that or listen to, listen back to that? Anything from you? <laughs> Hold on, I'll just take my England hat off now. 
Right. Okay. Um, I, I listened to the first, I think, about 14, 15 minutes, and then I think I had something to do. So I, I, I haven't heard it all yet. I'm taking, I'm taking a kind of a bit of a backward step at the moment when it comes to City, I think, because I think it's just such a big job. Um, I think as fans, you know, when last time I was on the podcast, I talked in detail about my views on on um, Mark, Ashton. Uh, Mark Ashton and a lot's gone on since then. So, you know, from my perspective, I think we just got to sit back and, and let it unfold because can we honestly think that we're going to bring five quality players in and, and be really successful next season? I don't think so. I think next season is going to be a period of stability. It's just got to be a year of consolidation and then build from there. He said he needs three or four windows. I have renewed my season ticket, which I was in two minds whether I would, but as fans, we always put ourselves through it, don't we? So yeah. I'm kind of just going to take a backward step, um, see how it unfolds, go to the first game, see what happens and go from there. I'm not going to be, I think there's been, lockdown has created too many keyboard warriors, I think, with Twitter and things. And and I kind of bit disillusioned just listening to some of our fans, if I'm honest with you, because there's too much criticism. There's too much uh, un, unknowing what's really going on. We don't yeah. we don't know what goes on behind the scenes. We don't know what John yeah. Lansdowne's doing, what control he had, what control Mark Ashton had, all of those things. So as a fan, let's just hope for the best and, uh, and, and look forward to that first game because being in the stadium today was just amazing. So I yeah. just can't wait until that first game when we're back in the Ashton Gate and enjoying football. And then hopefully we can all talk our kind of rubbish after the game, having a beer in the bar instead of getting home and doing it on that, Twitter. That'd be That's nice, a big it? thing, yeah. I think, for me. Let's, let's let it out in the pub. That'd be brilliant. Let's, let's yeah. let it yeah. out in the pub. And yeah. and yeah, what you're saying there, obviously, it's a three-year deal. I, let's not expect promotion next season. Let's expect, as you say, for me, it's consolidation. It's a top-half finish because, you know, we would have still seen some entertaining football. And even when we lose, we want to see effort and entertainment. And I think if he gets that, then he'll have, you know, the lion's share I, of the fan base on the side, Matt. Yeah, it was interesting that he sort of said that he's looking at players for, for now, and sort of for the future, but for the future in terms of the, the, what he wants the club to be. And I took that to mean the likes of a Danny Simpson um, and, and maybe even a couple more of those kind of experienced players that aren't going to be long-term, aren't going to be what we've probably had in the past where you're going to get them in and sell them on for huge profit. I think they're just players to come in that then shapes how he wants this team to be set up. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with both of you. At the end of the day, we we and he, he said it himself, didn't he? We, we were relegated. If the season goes on another couple of weeks, we're relegated. So as long as we're not yeah. struggling and we yeah. start to see an improved performance and an improved, um, passionate Bristol City, you know that we all want as a club, you know, and, and as fans we want to see. If we start to see that, then I'll happily take it. But you absolutely know, it's, you know, maybe it's our age. There will be plenty that think we should be challenging for the top six and should be looking at promotion be realistic in it you know um adam from the outside looking in i know you follow mm. bristol city as well as every other club in the football league and non-league to be fair but um your thoughts on on pearson and expectations for next season um yeah i don't necessarily disagree with what you said around consolidation i think the watching bristol city last it kind of in the second half of last season was really really worrying because you couldn't buy a win um so it will be interesting to see what happens next season. And I've kept very out of the loop of kind of everything football league related, really, for the last 
18 months because I've not been able to go to any games or anything like that. I've been solely focused on non-league and, and particularly local stuff, really. So I've, I've kept very, very out of the loop. Um, but I did see the other day that, that 12,500 season tickets have already been sold. And I just pray for the sake of everyone that those season ticket holders can all go to the stadiums from, what is it, August 8th or something that, that I guess the season will start. Um, that's kind of all I'm praying for at the moment. I think everyone is at a point where as long as they can go and watch their team on a Saturday afternoon next season, they'll, they'll for at least the, the first few weeks, they'll be happy. I'm sure we'll then get them to a point where everyone's moaning again. But I just I just want the stadium to be fully open. And, and I, there was, 20, was 22,000 at Wembley today. Um, I just pray that we're not in a position where we're, we're hoping and praying for ballot results. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and Adam, for those people that don't know, is uh, a ground hopper. So how many of the 92 have you got left now? I'll be honest, I don't know. Um, I think I'm at around 87 and I have been for a while because um, I never managed to get to Salford um, initially. Um, and since then, a couple have gone up, a couple have gone down. I have done Sutton United, um, but they're obviously just in the process of ripping up their 3G pitch. So I would like to go back there again. Um, and obviously dependent, actually, I've, I've, the playoff final, which is the other thing I was going to mention, actually, which is obviously being played at Ashton Gate next weekend. Um, which is a big coup for Ashton Gate because they don't get a lot of, they still doesn't to this day get a lot of national attention when it comes to, to various different matches that could happen there. But it's exciting that the, the playoff final with Torquay United, so obviously Gary Johnson going back to Ashton Gate and, and Hartlepool going back to Ashton Gate, who don't have fond memories of the stadium. <laughs> um, hopefully they can kind of revenge that that game from 2004, I think it was, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, so I, I think I'm at around 87, but I'll kind of reevaluate in August when I know I can actually go to, to some football league games. Well, how can you compete with that, Matt? You must be close. I think I'm 75, something like that. Um, but mine are all um, watching Bristol City. I know so, your age, but how many grounds have you been to? Yeah, yeah very funny. Now, yeah. I, I, that's interesting. There's a friend of mine who's a Swansea fan, um, Matt Phillips, I don't know if he listens to the podcast. I, I don't know the exact number, but he's done a serious amount. I think he's over 80 with Swansea because obviously they started in League Two and kind of went all the way to the top. Um, and I think there's a, a couple of teams out there that, that can get higher than that. And, and interestingly, and I, I'm not going to quote who it was, but there's actually a referee that refereed it, completed the 92 in refereeing at one point. Oh, right. um, again, I can't remember who it was, but that, yeah, that's an interesting stat. Mm, yeah. Brilliant. Nice. Do you want to throw a number at us? So you... Uh... Anywhere near? Yeah, I was. I, I I don't think I've ever sat down, but I would. I'm definitely not as close as Matt. But I, over the years, I've certainly seen a few. So if I had to throw a number, I'd probably say about 40, 45, I think. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, I possibly. I, I'll, I'll do that now. I'll take that away as an action. I'll take yeah, that as an action. Some you're on. Yeah, <clears throat> it's taken a minute here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably about the same as you, to be honest. I, I was surprised when you sort of sit down and you and you you know work it out. So uh, yeah, about late forties. But oh, well, it's been um, refreshing. I think is is the word to, to talk yeah. to you guys about um, a three points, b England and not Bristol City. Um, and hopefully we've got a few non-Bristol City people listening to this and have enjoyed it as well in the format. So thank you to the three of you for coming on. Um, I guess we'll do this again for the Scotland game. I think I'm out in yeah. time watching that one, so it might be a different um, scenario. <laughs> um, yeah, if we can catch up Saturday morning because I'm moving to the pub. 
<laughs> yeah, it's going to be an interesting time. So uh, we will do something, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but yeah, playing a site usually in these podcasts is um, uh, promises, promises with what love is. But um, those who listen to the regular show, we had Robbie Snowden from Hannam in Bristol. He released his debut track. So we're going to play out with that. All good things. So this is that song. And thank you for listening. Take care, everyone. Cheers. I say I love you, but you don't know that it's fake. I loved you once, but now my feelings changed. Don't know how to say this so your heart doesn't break But I know I need to tell you face to face I've been treating you all wrong And it's been going on for too long You know I love you, just not in love with you And I know that I made you blind Cause I don't know whether to listen to my heart or my mind Cause now I feel like I'm the bad guy Just can't be bought 